Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. They stepped out of that mess by stepping up and winning a stunner as a 17, 17 and a half point underdog. If you're watching on television this morning, you're seeing Lady Liberty and the Jets have been liberated at least for a week. (laughs) They are one in 13. They will not suffer the fate of the Browns and the Lions, the two teams in NFL history that have gone oh. And 16. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Keyshawn and Jay will be back soon enough. It's great to have the Super Bowl champion Chris Canty here this morning. Chris, great to have you here. Let's jump right into this with the Saints. Uh, bad taste in their mouth. Drew Brees returns. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. All of those things stand square. We should mention short week for New Orleans. They will play on Christmas Day. There's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday schedule this week. If you love football, the only day on Christmas, uh, Minnesota and New Orleans. Let's hear from Drew Brees. First game back and the rust was apparent, but it was also apparent the opponent is pretty darn remarkable. Being able to throw the ball, you know, good enough. And, and obviously that was kind of a ramp up, you know, from call it last week, late last week into early this week and, and throughout practice. I still have a little ways to go, I'll be honest. You know, there's some things that, that you know, I'm still still kind of working on, but it is what it is. Are you 100%? <laughs> no, but I'm on my way. The reason he chuckled at that, and hopefully he'll be 100%, that would be the best Christmas gift the Saints could get if they could give their fans a win on Christmas Day against Minnesota and then try to stay with Green Bay in the battle for the number one seed. We're asking you this morning on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed who you trust the most. Is it Seattle, as Chris said, Green Bay, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, the Rams, even after the clunker yesterday? The reason I want to bring this up, and I think the reason he laughed, Chris, when he said, are you 100%, is if you didn't watch the game and you just looked at the box score, you could arguably say this is the worst game Drew Brees has played in his career, he didn't complete a pass until the Chiefs were up 14 nothing. Oh, he completed a pass. It just so happened to be to the Chiefs. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So technically that is the case. He started the game 0 for 6. Totally get it. The 11 ribs, the injury, the working his way back. He's 41 years old. But when this team is 100%, I think we know what the Chiefs are like when they're 100%. When this team is 100% with Drew Brees, how dangerous are they? Well, I mean, they were able to make yesterday a fourth quarter game with yeah. Drew Brees not being 100%. So Fair. if you're a Saints fan, you could look at this glass half full when Drew Brees shakes off all of the rust and, you know, we kind of get things rolling on the offensive side of the ball. We got a defense that could present some challenges for that set, for that Chiefs offense if we meet them in the Super Bowl. So the way that that defense played yesterday in the first half has to make you feel good if you're a Saints fan. And if you're Sean Payton, you're saying, okay, I've got my Hall of Fame quarterback. I just need to make sure that he's healthy and get him into a groove the last couple of weeks of the regular season so he can hit his postseason in stride. If they're able to do that, then you got to watch out for the Saints going into the playoffs. The last two times the Saints were ousted in the playoffs, it's been because of Drew Brees' turnovers. So you need Drew Brees to be playing the best football of this year going into the postseason. I feel like they're in position to do that. Yesterday was a start. Two more games to go, and then we'll see where we're at when the tournament kicks off. The tournament, as he says, the NFL playoffs. Their last two games, by the way, as I mentioned, Christmas Day against the Minnesota Vikings, and then they'll be at Carolina. It kind of feels like if things go their way, that could be an easy two to get. But as we saw yesterday with the Jets, there's no such thing as a gimme in this league, which is why this league is so great. A 1-13 in team is being talked about more than any other. In no other sport can that be the case. If you're a drag in any other sport, we don't talk about you on ESPN Radio. In the NFL, even a team like that gets significant chatter. It's why the league is certainly so great. All right, so here's the deal. 
Minnesota and New Orleans. You have the offense, you have the defense, and that's fine. They're ready to go. On the other side, with what Patrick Mahomes was able to do yesterday, I was listening to Tony Romo on the broadcast. This was said by many people. He just said that Mahomes is just a finisher. For all the other attributes we lay on about him, how well he's played, how great he looks, when it gets tight in a situation like that, he simply reminds you again that right now he has no peer in the NFL and he proved it against like you said one of the best defenses in football no you're absolutely right Mahomes has a different gear and when he takes it up a notch I don't think there's any defense that's out there that can slow him down and you saw that yesterday in the second half of that game the Saints defense majored in cover five which is two deep man under and they made sure that they didn't allow them to have any of those easy underneath completions and they forced Pat Mahomes to hold the ball a little bit in hopes that that Saints defensive line can put some pressure on him which they did I think they pressured Pat Mahomes 39% of the dropbacks which is an incredible rate the most the Chiefs offense has seen this season but Pat Mahomes was still able to make it happen with second reaction plays on scrambles and rollouts he was 7 to 12 for 63 yards and two touchdowns not to mention the three scrambles that he had for 39 yards all three of them resulting in the Chiefs being able to move the sticks so I mean Pat Mahomes is just one of those quarterbacks because of all the tools in his tool bag He's impossible to defend. There really is no good answer when you're facing this Chiefs offense, and it's primarily because of their trigger man, number 15. Got a little breaking news in the NFL we're going to get to in just one second, but just in case you're wetting your appetite, again, Minnesota, New Orleans, Christmas Day, the day after Christmas Day, Tampa Bay at Detroit, so Tom Brady on a Saturday, San Francisco at Arizona, Kyler after that, and then the Dolphins and the Raiders, so we got a triple header on Saturday following that Minnesota game with New Orleans on Friday. So get ready. Locked and loaded for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday football this week. On Sunday, the Carolina Panthers are taking on the Washington football team, which is a huge game, obviously, for Washington as they try to win the NFC East. I kind of said this before, that I don't think the Panthers are showing the progress that you might expect from Matt Rule. Now, Matt Rule is a builder. He built the Temple Owls, a college football vagabond. He built Baylor back up from maybe one of the worst scandals in college sports. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to do the same with Carolina to the tune of $60 million. He is a new owner in David Tepper. But he will now have, Chris, I want to get your opinion on this, this just crossing this morning moments ago, he will have a new general manager. The team has fired Marty Herney. So now your general manager openings... The Falcons, the Jaguars, the Lions, the Texans, and most recently, the Panthers. If you were going to rebuild one of those teams, totally understanding now that Rule's going to get to bring in somebody that he's aligned with, mm-hmm. and the owner hired Rule, he's a brand new owner, it sort of just makes sense. Falcons open, Matt Ryan, Jaguars open, Trevor Lawrence perhaps, Lions, what are they going to do with Stafford? Texans, you got Deshaun, you just don't got anything else, and now you got the Panthers. Which one of those teams seems to be the most appetizing if you were, let's say, I don't know, Lou Riddick, who might join us (laughs) at the bottom of the hour to talk Monday Night Football? Well, it's a job that Lou interviewed for last week in the Texans. Mm -hmm. I I mean, to me, that would have to be the job because, as you mentioned, they do have Deshaun Watson, and they signed him to a contract extension before the season got kicked off. A big part of building a football team is making sure that you have confidence that the guy that's under center can at some point win you a championship. And I don't think there's any question about that with Deshaun Watson. I mean, you're still talking about him having a top five passer rating as abysmal as that roster is both sides of the ball. So I would definitely start with the Texans job because of Watson, even though they don't have a first round pick or a second round pick this year as a result of the Lermy Tunzel trade. But when you have the quarterback, 
you're more than halfway home in this league, and Deshaun Watson is just that good. And that's a great point. Draft capital is something the Texans don't have, and they certainly need to get some draft capital to be able to give Watson the weapons he needs. But to your point, if you have the quarterback you need and you're halfway there, and let's just say Trevor Lawrence is every bit as good as everybody is saying, you get that job, you get your quarterback, and most importantly in the not-for-long, the NFL— you get time. Whoever mm-hmm. gets the Jacksonville job is not going to be expected to win in two years. Shad Khan, the team's owner, is not going to kick the GM out in two years. So you get the quarterback that you want, a generational player, and you get time. Those two things, to me, make Jacksonville appetizing. Oh, no question about it. But Jacksonville needs everything. That's true. So, I mean, you're starting with Trevor Lawrence, and that's a great piece to build around. But you're a few years away from being in contention, especially when you look at what the Colts have been this year, when you look at what the Titans have been this year. Those two teams don't look like they're really going anywhere. And you heard Frank Reich say last week that Phillip Rivers has years left. So, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, Jacksonville, I think, is a great job because you would have the opportunity to be able to coach Trevor Lawrence, who is – a generational talent. I mean, he's right up there with Andrew Luck and John Elway in terms of can't miss at the position. So um, I, I absolutely see where you're coming from. I think the Lions job is a little more tricky. The Falcons job is a little more tricky just because you've got some stalwarts there that the organization has to answer the question of whether or not they're going to move on from and Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan. How about that? How about spitballing it? If you are the Detroit Lions and Stafford's given you everything he's gotten, but you haven't been able to do it, it's largely not his fault. And then Ryan's taking you to the brink of the Super Bowl, took you to the Super Bowl, brink of a Super Bowl title, I should say. Um, you think those guys are going to be there this time next year? Well, I, listen, I still think Matt Stafford has a, some good years left. He, he's proven that he can still be a productive quarterback. And seeing quarterbacks play later on into their late 30s, early 40s for some, I, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility for Matt Stafford to stay there and be a part of the rebuild in Detroit. As far as Atlanta goes, it feels like they need to push the full reset button. Uh, I mean, I look at the Matt Ryan contract and in terms of the going rate, $25 million a year is, is, is not unreasonable for a quarterback with his type of resume that's capable of being as productive as we saw he was against the Bucs defense on Sunday. So I think that Matt Ryan contract could attract a team that's looking for a bridge guy this offseason. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons made the decision to trade him. But um, that whole organization, they, they need to go ahead and blow it up and rebuild it. And I think they started that with moving on from Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov. Mm, blowing up, rebuilding it. There are many people that believe the college football playoff and its parameters need to do just that. <laughs> I don't know. If you're the AAC's commissioner, I'm not sure he's feeling great right about now. That's another story for another day. Let's be honest. Everybody just cares about the big four. And we got him with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. And Notre Dame, Alabama has been more driven than any other team in college football this season. That seems obvious. More Driven brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven right to the Shell Pennzoil performance line. David Pollock, ESPN's College Game Day, and the co-host of the College Football Podcast with Herb Street Pollock and my guy Kevin Nagandi. You can get that anywhere you get podcasts. All right, first things first, what did you make of the four? Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting. You, you can't. I don't think any system's ever going to be perfect. And you got 13 people in a room. It's just funny. We were doing a show yesterday with me, you know, Jesse and Kirk and Reese and um, Joey Galloway. And we got all of us sitting around a table and our opinions might differ a little bit from each other and who we think are the best teams. So I think, I think it's a tough task. I don't think it's as easy as everybody thinks when you have that many people making a decision. I'm fine with it. If you're going to compare Notre Dame and Texas A&M, um, you know, the biggest difference to me was – you know, you got North Carolina on the resume. 
Um, and you have Clemson. When you look at A&M, A&M's second-best win is Auburn. Their, their first-best win, obviously, is a good win against Florida. So I, I think that they went with, you know, they played 11 games, Notre Dame. They went 10-1, and one, so they played more games, had more quality wins. And, you know, that justification – and, again, they're using their rankings, obviously, to decide how high North Carolina's ranked and how high Clemson's ranked. But I, I don't have a, a big discrepancy with it. If A&M was in, by the way, I, I wouldn't – if you thought A&M was better, I wouldn't disagree, necessarily disagree. I think Notre Dame and A&M are very comparable teams. If you put them side by side and go down the list, I think they compare to each other very favorable in a lot of ways. David, looking at the playoff field, I know that Notre Dame beat Clemson earlier in the regular season without Trevor Lawrence, but Clemson got some get back yesterday. But it feels like Alabama and Clemson are on a different level than Ohio State and Notre Dame. Do you see it that way? Yeah, and it's been like that, Chris, for like 20 years, bro. I mean, it's like it's Groundhog's Day every year, and I'm reminded of that every championship weekend. And I, and I do want to expand, and I, I have my own philosophy of what I want to do and how I want to expand, but I just in the end, you might get the same result. You still might get Alabama and Clemson, but I think you get so many more people involved and in engaged in the, in the playoff system and less opt-outs and more, more give-a-dang as opposed to some of the kids down the stretch that don't really care because they're not – necessarily playing for a championship but Alabama and Clemson listen look at the recruiting rankings every year they're always near the top look at the the quarterback position they always coach that exceptionally well and have great guys at that spot and great dudes all over the field that they coach up and did make great so Clemson and Alabama again here we go it does feel like that round 36. What's your plan you said you might have an alternative here I'd love to hear it. I, I, I would love to go first of all I, I take all the divisions out of, co- out of college football I don't need West I don't need East. I don't need leaders. I don't need legends. I don't need any of that stuff. I want, I, I want just the SEC, the Big Ten. Um, you play an eight-game schedule against you know the other people in your conference. You play four out-of-conference games, one against the ACC, one against the Big Twelve, one against the SEC, one against the Pac-12, one against the Big Ten. Like you play against every other conference. So now every team has conference. Overlap. Every team played another conference. We have a, a better diagnosis of who's who's good from each conference. Which conference truly is, you know, the best, as opposed to you know, kind of guessing. Especially this year where we had no out of conference games. And now you give uh, the the league championship ch- champions they get um, they get they get the automatic bid. And I expand it to eight. And so now we have eight teams in the field. All five conference championships. All, all five conference champions are in for the major power fives, and now you take three at-large teams, however you want to slice it up and however you think they are best. If I'm, the, if I'm not in the power five, Zubin, I, I start my own playoff. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm not invited, dude. Like, this is, this is not exclusive. This is exclusive to me. Like, it's, it's excluding me. I'm not in this. So, if I was them, I'd go create my own. I think it would be absolutely amazing to watch. Like, still schedule some of the other games, but – have your own have your own playoff at the end of the season. It would it would be amazing. Everybody would watch it. I know I would. So you you don't think that the Group Five conferences should have an opportunity to compete against the big boys in in your format or the the the, uh, the no, postseason play? No, I think they trying. should. Okay, but what we what we have right now, Chris, is is not that. It's it's bullcrap. They're not going to get invited. There's no way, no how. Like, okay, let me draw a roadmap. Cincinnati. Okay, for them to get in the college football playoff next year. First thing they're going to have to do is beat Georgia in the bowl game. Go out on a high note, right? Go out showing you, like, this team was legit. They could compete with a top-ten team in college football. They're going to have to schedule two big dogs next year and have to beat them. Not 
not 23, not 25. They're going to have to schedule at least one team, you know, from another uh, Power Five that is going to be a, a top 10 type team that's inc- incredibly respected and then beat another well-respected team and run the table in your conference. Well, there also aren't a lot of teams in the Power Five that want to schedule Cincinnati anymore. I mean, that's just – they don't want to do that because they know they're a really good football team. So I just think – and they have to run the table and be perfect. So it's not a good formula for them. David, a report surfaced about Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald over the weekend that if the right NFL team came calling that he would be interested in taking the jump to the next level. Your thoughts on what Pat Fitzgerald would be as an NFL head coach? I think he'd be great because he's great with people. He, he's, he sets a great standard every day. He's, he doesn't take mess off of anybody. Um, you know, I think the best coaches in the world – you know, they put the right lane of the highway, the left lane of the highway, and they show you exactly the roadmap of how it is. Like, I'm going to come in every day, and I'm going to be between these lines because I know if I don't, that dude's going to kill me. Like, and that, I'm going to lose respect. I'm not going to play. Like, there's ramifications. So I think he's so good with people. I, I think it would be a good decision. I would love to see him do it. Listen, it's great to see him at his alma mater at Northwestern. He's done some, some great things. Um, that's a tough job, man. I mean, it's tough to – you know, it's a tough school to get into. It, he's not dealing with, you know, elite caliber athletes. But I also don't see him going to a major power five job because it's kind of spurning his alma mater. So I think this is going to set up nice for Pat Fitzgerald. I hope he, I hope he takes a job. I think he would do really good at it. And on that tip, talking about the potential transition from college football to the NFL, it's a possibility for Pat Fitzgerald. It's obviously going to be 100% in the can for Trevor Lawrence to make that move. I know you watch Clemson as close as everybody. You're watching everything. What was your reaction to the Jets losing that game yesterday and falling out of pole position for a guy that everybody is saying is one of the best prospects in a generation? (laughs) I think it's hard. I think it's hard to – if you want any respect and you want any kids to follow you or grown men to follow you like it is in the NFL, you have to play to win. You can't sit there and go, we're going to lose for X. We're going to lose for Y. Those teams typically are always at the bottom of the draft for a reason. It's kind of hard to to justify that. There's not a lot of grown men that can respect coaches that tell you that we're going out here and we're trying to lose. So – I think it's a tough position. I, I, I was shocked just as much as everybody else to see the Jets actually play well and, and get a win. And yeah, it might, it, it might cost them. Um, but you can't, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't set a tone. I don't set a, send a message. I don't say, listen, we're going out here to lose. I don't care who it is and what it's for. If you got to trade for the guy, trade for the guy. But I'm definitely not telling my kids to go out and lose or telling my guys to go out and lose. David, how big is the gap between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields or any of the other college quarterbacks? I tell you what, Chris, to start the season, I didn't think the gap was very big. Two games in with Justin Fields, and I was like, man, this dude's taking the next step. He's seeing things faster, and the ball's coming out. And I was, I was blown away. Um, but the gap has just it's grown huge this last, these last you know, three games for Ohio State. Just um, Trevor Lawrence, to me, is a more athletic Dak Prescott, which obviously you look at and you go, that's pretty daggum solid, right? That's good. Um, when you give him a clean pocket and he knows what he sees, the ball comes out as good as anybody in college football. Now, when it gets a little murky and he's got to go through his progressions, and I, he's not as crisp, he's not as good, he's not as clean. Um, he's a great runner, he's dynamic, but he kind of gets a little too patient for me. He'll sit back there in the pocket and he's just kind of chill. And I'm like, all right, dude, snap, snap, get rid of the football. You know, so I think 
the gap the gap was narrow um, through games two, one and two, because he, he had like two incompletions and he was looking like he was a different kid. But the last several games, uh, it proved to me that he's not he's not close to that point yet. He's still a work in progress, but a, a fun work in progress if you're a coach when you got a guy that has that much ability, strength, speed, athleticism, accuracy, all that stuff that goes with it. It's great stuff, and you won't have to wait too long for bowl season. It begins this afternoon at 2.30 Eastern on ESPN, and we'll see you New Year's Day, and, of course, we'll see you on National Championship Night. David, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Good job. Thank you very much. That's David Pollack, again, North Texas, Appalachian State, Myrtle Beach Bowl, 2.30 Eastern today on ESPN, and I'm actually not joking about that. That is <laughs> legit. Still to come, why this evening? Big one on Monday night. Steelers and Bengals, at least big for the Steelers. Why tonight likely won't be Ben's last time on the Monday night stage, even though his career is creeping closer to a finish. We'll explain some breaking news regarding Ben. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. So tonight we'll draw the curtain on another week of the NFL season. It'll be the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers win this game. The division is theirs. I think we know after the 11-0 start, even with the resurgent Browns, that this was going to happen sooner rather than later. We're going to talk to Lou in just a second about this particular fact, but I want to get your thoughts on it before Lou weighs in. Word this morning from Adam Schefter that Big Ben's contract, which ends next season. So he's got to play the rest of this season and then one more on top of that. And he says... He is not thinking about walking away. He's ready to go, continuing to play. This is his 17th season in the NFL. Yeah, it's unbelievable the fact that he's been able to come back from that type of injury and have the type of season that he's having and the success that the team has enjoyed. I mean, up until a few weeks ago, you're talking about an undefeated team and people were questioning whether or not they could run the table and be up there with those 72 Dolphins and uh, the New England Patriots in 2007. But, um, you know, Big Ben is, listen, he's found the formula for success and what this offense has to be. They're 
they're not an offense that's going to push the ball down the field. They're going to get a lot of yards from catch-and-run opportunities from those receivers. And Big Ben has done a good job for the majority of the season of putting it on those guys. they got to make sure they catch them, but he's done a good job. He's done his part in terms of being able to facilitate the offense. Now, I will say the Bengals, and, and I know they've been beset by injuries. They've been ravaged, no Joe Burrow, but they're like the Tylenol of 2020. Take two, call me in the morning. So the Steelers have lost two. They need an easy opponent. They need anything but a headache, and it feels like the Bengals will provide it. But Pittsburgh has lost, as you know now, two in a row, Washington football team, and then the loss to Buffalo. In uh, just 30 seconds here as Lou joins us here, um, what do you make of tonight, just with, with the two losses in a row and people being a little down on them? Well, they need to focus on execution. That means their receivers catching passes, but also have some balance on the offensive side of the ball. The output in the run game hasn't been there, especially in that game against Washington, and then follow that up with Buffalo. So they've got to have a little more balance on that side of things. And James Conner not being in the lineup for those two games, maybe that hurt a little bit. So him coming back and being healthy, being available, could be a big difference in terms of that offense being able to get back on track. But to me, this is a game that you got to focus on execution. Make no mistake about it. Because it's a divisional game, you can't just roll your helmet out there and expect to get a win. So Mike Tomlin will have those guys ready to go, and they want to get that bitter taste of loss out of their mouths. And that's tonight on ESPN. It'll be the Steelers at the Bengals. It's time for the Monday Night Football preview. Monday Night Football analyst Lou Riddick joins us for the Monday Night Preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Lou, good morning. What do you make of the fact that yes, the division title can be theirs with a simple win tonight against the dreg of the division, but people still appear to be a little down on the Steelers with the news that Big Ben is saying, yeah, my contract ends at the end of next year, but I intend to keep on playing. Yeah, look, I think this football team, Zubin, is led by one of the great leaders in the NFL, Mike Tomlin. This is a guy who who has a real good feeling about where what his where his team is, what they need heading into January. They played a lot of January football, and heading into this game tonight, he knows exactly how this this game needs to look. These players know how this game needs to look. They have a great leadership council on this football team between guys like Ben and Cam Hayward. I expect them tonight to come out and establish some of the things that they need to establish going into the playoffs. They know that they can't just turn it on in the playoffs. So that means being more physical up front, being more efficient and executing at a much higher level if we're going to start on the offensive side with catching the football. They will try and establish the run game. This defense is going to fly around and try to punish some people tonight. And I expect them to really put the past two weeks behind them after having a full week of practice, a schedule that's, that's normal over the past seven to eight days, and you will see them look like they need to look heading into, uh, heading into postseason football. Lewis, you mentioned it. After the, the last two games, some of the shine has kind of come off of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do you still believe them to be a team that can compete with the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs if they were to face off in the playoffs? Yeah, you know, Chris, it's really going to be about – how they play up front on offense in particular. I mean, that defensively, you know that this this front, you know, with with Stephon too and Cam Hayward and 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 TJ. I mean, these guys are are guys who play the game at a very high level from a physical standpoint. So they'll be able to match the physicality of any team, any offense on, from that perspective. They got playmakers all over the place. It's just it's offensively whether or not they can start to capture the line of scrimmage in a way that is just adequate. It doesn't have to be dominant. And I don't think it's going to be dominant. They, they've had a lot of different injuries on the offensive side of the ball, particularly at left tackle and right – I mean, at left guard and right tackle. So they're not the Steelers' offensive line at all. This isn't the Steelers I played against in 1994-95 where 
you have three running backs go for over 100 yards in one game like they did against us when I was in Cleveland. Yeah, that's a nightmare. That's a bad memory. But they don't, they're not like that. But that's okay. They just need to be competent running the football. They know that their strength is in, in on the perimeter with all, all the wide receivers they have. They know when Ben's feeling good. He is a guy who's in total control at the line of scrimmage. So they, those, are, those are the things that they just need to get to tonight as far as playing consistently to what their talent level is. And if they do that, you will see them have a great game tonight and no question they'll be able to deal with the best teams in the AFC because there's no doubt about this. It isn't just one team in the AFC anymore that's very good. I mean, Buffalo showed you that, that if they ever get to play Kansas City again, that is going to be a heavyweight bout. It won't be like Kansas City did them earlier in the year when they went up to Buffalo and ran the football down their throat. It, it, this, the AFC is shaping up real nice at the very top. Uh, Adam Schefter reported this morning that Ben Roethlisberger intends to fulfill the remainder of his contract, which would be playing out whatever this year is and then playing out next year. But he's also gone out and said, Big Ben, that he wants to win multiple Lombardies with an S on the end. With that news mm-hmm. about his contract and what you've seen from him this season, considering he's in his 17th year in the league, um, mm-hmm. how much do you think he's got left? I, look, he's not hes not Big Ben of 10 years ago. Right? He, he's not the guy who can just have people hanging all over his lower body, hitting them up top, and he's just kind of still making miraculous throws. He knows that. He, he'll admit that. But that's okay because some of the things that he can't do physically, he can do mentally now as far as being one step ahead. And he still has enough arm strength and horsepower to be able to get the ball where he needs to get it to. So I wouldn't doubt him as long as they are able to be an efficient, well-balanced multiple offense, which, again, doesn't mean that they have to be a top-10 rushing team or top-5 rushing team. They just need to be able to rush it for four-plus when they need to. And right now they haven't been able to do that. If they can do that, the defense is always going to be good. So, sure, they're, they're always going to be in the mix to win championships and deal with the better, the other better teams in the AFC, like Buffalo, like like KC, and, and they're going to be just fine. So, yeah, he, he's – He's in a good place mentally. He's uh, as, in as good of a place physically as you can be after this much time in the NFL. And Pittsburgh is still Pittsburgh, and I, I expect them you know, in the short term to show that tonight. Lewis, looking at the wild card picture in the AFC, you got those four teams that are competing, Cleveland, Tennessee, Baltimore, and Miami. It feels like there's going to be a double-digit win team that's left out in the cold. Who do you think that team ends up being when the dust settles? Well, man, I, I'm I'm not sure. It's I mean, because all of them, all all of them are good. And, you know what, what's going to separate the guys who who the one team that gets left out is at this point. I mean, what you have two weeks left, really two games left to actually play after tonight. I, I really can't say right now because they're all they all have their strengths and all have their weaknesses. All of them pretty much can play pretty high level of offense. I think defense, is, will, defense will be that which really determines which one of these teams make it out. And, you know, as much as I love Tennessee, Tennessee's defense scares me because they can't rush the passer. And they're a team that has to play, like, almost flawless on offense in order for, for them to beat, to get to where they need to get to. You know, Baltimore, as good as their defense can be, they also showed you just the other night on Monday night against Cleveland that they can have some issues slowing people down, especially against well-balanced offenses. So 
don't know. That, that's what makes that's what's going to make the AFC uh, wild card playoff picture really interesting. Is that um, you have some high powered offenses and teams that can put up points, but the defenses scare me. So I, I, I can't really even pinpoint which one of these teams is going to be uh, on the short end of the stick. Lewis, yesterday the New England Patriots were officially eliminated from playoff contention. They lost to the Miami Dolphins down there in South Beach. What does that organization do at the quarterback position, and where do they turn moving forward? Uh, yeah, that's a great question, right? I mean, it's it's one of these deals where, you know, usually when you're trying to fix the quarterback position through the draft, obviously you have to be awful. You have to be up near the top. You have to be in one of the top two spots. Otherwise, you're in quarterback purgatory as far as the draft is concerned. And that's where New England will find itself. Now, how much flexibility will they have within the draft process to get to a position where maybe they could draft someone other than the top one or two prospects? Well, that remains to be seen. Um, what does Bill think of Cam for maybe another year going forward? That remains to be seen. What does Bill think of the veteran free agent market given what, or the veteran trade market given what the uh, could be a very interesting off season with some with some veteran players and even some younger players who could potentially be on the on the trade block. That remains to be seen too. So I think there's a number of different avenues that they could go veteran uh, veteran acquisition wise. I just don't I don't know if this is something where they can really address it through the draft unless they wind up mortgaging the future as far as giving up future draft picks. And that doesn't sound like Bill. So what does that all equal up to? it equals up to a, like a, a bad spot to be in when you need a quarterback like this and you're basically resetting your organization from the ground up. And cause usually when you're doing that, it means that your, your, your record has suffered so much that you're in a position to draft a franchise guy and they're not. So that's what, that's what's going to make this situation hard. But if anybody can figure it out, Bill will. No doubt. If anybody in the history of sports gets the benefit of the doubt, I think it's Bill (laughs) Belichick. We'll see Lou with Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lisa Salters tonight on Monday Night Football. Lou, thanks very much. You got it. Thank you. That's the Monday Night Football preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. On the way, when's the last time in sports people were penalized for being too good at something? Plus, some breaking news from the NFL. That's on the way. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One more look at the final coaches poll, courtesy of one coach and where he stuck his playoff opponent. That's in one minute. This is incredible. Hang tight for this. 
One thing I want to say here with Chris Canty, I'm Zubin Mahenti, Keyshawn J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance all morning long. Our guests were on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. We're also brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. I'll get straight into it. You got to stop penalizing Alabama and Clemson for their greatness. <laughs> Blowing up the format, making it more equitable, making it less overall predictable. It just doesn't work for me. If you have better coaches, if you have better players, if you're better recruiting, you got better fan support, you got better facilities in any other walk of life. If you sell 10 times as many cars on the lot as the next dude, you deserve to be making that much more money, <laughs> right? In any way of life. If you are the best bartender at your bar, you know, back in the day when people went into restaurants, you make the most tips. Alabama and Clemson are simply put, I'm going to tell this to you in a way that all fellows could understand. Alabama and LSU are old world supermodels. They're Cindy Crawford, they're Naomi Campbell, they're Janice Dickinson. Every one of these other teams are IG models. Mm -hmm. They look good. They look really good. (laughs) They're brushed up a little bit. They're touched up a little bit, much like uh, Jimbo Fisher saying, well, you know, we are the only one lost SEC team to never make the playoff. That's a fact. That stands to reason, but not within context. If you're an old world beauty like Alabama and Clemson, you get all the fellas. If you're an IG model, you get a lot of fellas, but you ain't those women. And that's for sure. 100%. When you put those IG models under the bright lights, they just don't stack up the same as the other ones. And that's what we're talking about. When you put those other programs, those other teams under the bright lights of the college football playoff, they're just not the same because, as you mentioned, it's about being able to recruit. It's about being able to develop talent. And nobody does that better than Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney. So you got to give props where props is due. The other two teams that are in the CFP field, you can make an argument against Notre Dame and and Ohio State, they're not teams that look like they're unbeatable, but it's clear that Alabama and Clemson are at a different level than them. Yeah, we're not rolling back to the pack. How about everybody else just catch up and do the right thing? They're not gonna Easier s- said than done, though. That's right. Yeah. Don't ask them to stop running the race. you got to run a little bit faster. All right, so before we go, speaking of before we go, before we run, you got to hear this. So obviously you know the deal. January 1, it's going to be clemson and Ohio State. The conventional wisdom is is this matchup might be a little more difficult for Clemson than you might imagine because Ohio State's got some fresh legs. They most notably, as we all know, played just six games this season, but Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney this morning on Packer and Durham on the ACC Network said, actually having played six games makes me think about Ohio State in this fashion. Obviously you're going to study their, their games this year. That'll be a quick study for us. Uh, they were only six. Uh, so that'll be a little easier. You know, typically you're going into these games, you got, you know, 13 games to study. Uh, so it won't be as daunting of a task there. Typically you have 13 games. Like they're going to have to study uh, 11 games. You know, you got to study every play, offense, defense, special teams. Plus you're going, you're studying every play. Plus you're going back to last year. You know, so it does make it a little easier because there's not as much tape to pour through. You can't make it up. There's only six games. And he said 11 because Clemson went 10 and 1. Just wanted to point out that he played 11, Ohio State played 6. You heard the verb in his voice when you said it. Let's double down, Chris. Every coach that's a part of the um, coaches poll, you know, 25 or so vote, whatever it is. A lot of times the sports information director votes, somebody else votes, they put it off on somebody else. I'm I'm too busy coaching this football team. I can't fill this out. But if Dabo Sweeney actually did fill out his final coaches poll, it is notable that he had Alabama at number 1. He put his Clemson Tigers at number two, 
and his opponent on New Year's Day in the college football playoff, the team that most believe is the third best team in the country, he's got his New Year's Day opponent, Ohio State, ranked 11th (laughs) in his poll. And you know who he put above Ohio State? One spot? Coastal Carolina. <laughs> the disrespect from Dabo. This is unbelievable, though. He says they'll be harder to play against because you have less film on them. But he puts them at 11th in his final poll. Pretty shocking to see that. Take me inside the mind of a player. I'm sure that's already up in every locker in Columbus uh, at the shoe right now for Ryan Day. You see something like that. You're a Buckeye player. You've been banged on all year long by opposing fans, by media, by all these people that saying we're not legit. And then the coach, let's be honest, Clemson's got the better of Ohio State in the college football playoff, comes out and essentially says... What are we doing here? I can't even put them in my top 10. i got to put the Chanticleers above them. Nobody had any idea who that was before this year started. Exactly. Take me inside the mind of a player and what it does. Well, those Ohio State players don't need much motivation after what happened in last year's CFP. But, I mean, this is, this is more bulletin board material for them. So they'll be ready to go. And the fact that the game is a little bit closer, you don't have to wait the entire month. You only got a couple of weeks until you kick this off. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see – how much fire this Ohio State Buckeyes team comes out when they do square off against Clemson. Has Dabo made, to use a wrestling term, has he sort of made like a heel turn? When he got the job at first, he was the wide receivers coach. Gummit, he was just so great and it's awesome and all that stuff. And it seems like over the course of this season, whether it was a little spat with Florida State saying that they didn't want to play us because they're scared of us and they use the virus as an excuse to this move, I always thought he was one of the great colorful characters regionally. He just fits perfectly in college football. Yep. But but I got to tell you, as the season is going on, I'm starting to like him a little bit less. I've interviewed him. I met him in person. I like him. But there's just there's something about him that doesn't sit right with me right now. Yeah, something feels a little bit off right here. The more Dabo talks, the more you cringe. And it's just like, hey, just go back to being the ball coach that's going out and winning national championships every other year. But, um, you know, this has been a year unlike any other. And so with the pandemic and, and dealing with the realities of COVID, this just adds another layer of stress, not only on the players, but on the coaching staffs and the athletic departments as a whole. And I feel like Dabo Sweeney, in a, in a roundabout way, is letting that affect his persona and how he comes off to the media. But he's still got his team where they're supposed to be, competing for a national championship. We'll see what happens in January. Indeed, they missed the very first playoff since then. They've made it every single year. Alabama-Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. New Year's Day. We hope you have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.